great to be back at Solid Rock. I've uh, definitely look forward to uh, to coming here uh, once again. Let me just make one small adjustment here. And so I thank you all for having me uh, back at Solid Rock. I thank Jason for not waiting so long in between years for, uh, for me to come back. He was uh, definitely kind and, and, and gracious, and you were, uh, because I'm sure that had he not uh, received some good word, uh, 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 I would not be here on this morning. Amen. Uh, uh, first service, were they, were they were so gracious. And so I pray that same thing with you all, amen, that you be very gracious to me over the topic today that we're going to be covering on today. So if you have your, your Bibles, uh, turn to, uh, uh, turn to uh, Genesis chapter 17. Uh, I came here uh, 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 last time unaccompanied uh, un, uh, with my wife. This time my wife was with me. Uh, uh, my daughter was here on the first service, she's, uh, she's gone back with her grandma. And so it's just my wife and I, and uh, wife, I want to just uh, thank you uh, for uh, coming with me and, and, and dealing with this, my preaching for two times back to back. Amen? What a job. Amen. What a job. Amen. And so let's turn our Bibles to uh, 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 Genesis 17. I'm going to say a small prayer, and I do pray that God would be gracious, that God would be kind as as I stand to present his word. Uh, Father God, now we thank you and uh, we love you so much. Indeed, God, hopefully, uh, just with, uh, just with uh, uh, not with just mouth or words, God, but in our hearts, God, we can say that, God, that we love you and that we thank you. And that, God, we're so glad, God, to be uh, saved by the finished and complete work of Christ. God, that, that God, that we could stand before you, pray, praise, worship, sing, God, based off the fact what Christ has done, the work accomplished on our behalf, the, how he absolved the wrath of God, your anger, your first anger, God, how he took it all himself, God, that we ourselves who are in Christ would never have to stand to be a part of your wrath. And that alone gives us freedom to worship freedom, to obey freedom, to love you. So, God, now we simply ask this, that over the next few minutes, that you would make yourself big, make yourself majestic, make yourself glorious. That at the end of this, God, that we'll leave longing to love you more and to obey you more, not for approval, but based from us being approved already in Christ Jesus. We thank you. And Father, we love you now. Have your way in Christ's name. Amen. If you are like me, and if you serve the same daddy that I serve, the same father that I serve, uh, there has been some point in this, in your saved Christian life that God has spoken to you some lofty vision over your life. Something that you probably would never say, God, are you sure? That, that you might say in return, God, are you sure that you are talking about or you are talking to or that you are speaking to the right God? Are you sure that I'm qualified, God, to God? Or, or, are you sure I have everything I needed to do what you want done? I mean, I mean, there are some times where, where, where I believe God has said some things to me that to me would, it just seemed unbelievable. And yet God, he gives me this faith. He, he gives me this trust to believe that God is able. And sometimes the, the problem that comes with this promise is that there's a weight, there's a process, there's growth, there's, there, there are things that God has to do in order to get us ready for, for, for what God won't done through us and from us. And then in this waiting period, you do like I did. 
you try to help God out, you mess up. And this isn't your normal average day mess up. I mean, you mess up big. I mean, you get in God's way so bad that you're, that you mad at your own self. God, why did I do such a thing? And then from that mess up, it seems like God isn't as vocal as he once was. That when you pray, it's, it, it doesn't seem the same. When you read God's word, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to say, it's like God all of a sudden went hush. And you're left thinking and hoping that God, I hope that my mess up did not mess up what you had promised me. As we get into today's text, that's where we find Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, God makes this, makes this 75-year-old this, this big, he gives him this big vision, saying, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, make you a great name. Abram, those who curse you, I got them. Those who bless you, I got them too. I, I'm going to bless you, Abram. And then he says, Abram, at 75 years old, check this out, I want you to go outside. Look to the stars. Your offspring will be as such. Abram, go look at the sand. Abram, your offspring will be as much. Abram is 75 years old. And God is talking about Abram having a lot of kids. Houston, we have a problem. 75 years old, offsprings been, been, been plentiful, and, and yet God, he gives Abraham this, this ridiculous promise. Now, we all know the story. Uh, they're waiting for some time, some suggest 12 years, and, and, so, and so Sarah comes with this brilliant plan. Abram, I got, I got something for you. What if God meant that you were to have relations with Hagar, my handmaid. Maybe this guy's going to work that, 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 that promise that way. And so Abram, with his godly self, says, no, that's okay. No, 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 no. Abram said, you know what? That's a good idea. Where's Hagar? And the Bible, you don't see in the Bible any fight from Abram to, to Sarai. Abraham is down with this plan. Hagar, this young, fine Egyptian woman? Yeah! What a plan! Let's do it! So, you, so then you have Abram and Sarah, Abram and Hagar, they do that thing, and out comes Ishmael. Abraham has Ishmael at 86 years old. From that point on, scholars suggest for 13 years, God was silent because of Abram's mess up, which gets us into our team. Now, can you imagine 13 years of not hearing from God? Can you imagine 13 years of not experiencing the, the peace and the joy? Can you imagine for a week that happening to you, let, let, let alone some 13 odd years? So when you read the text, when you go up to, when you read Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 16, just that verse before, uh, it says, And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Now, verse 1, 13 years. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, Jehovah appeared as El Shaddai. Or that Jehovah Lord appeared as God Almighty. Now, you have to understand when you hear this, this, this term Shaddai in Eastern terms or in Eastern times, they, they equated Shaddai with breast and with mountain. 
So when they heard this, so there was this God that, that was named Shaddai, and, and, and it gives the idea that this God, Shaddai or Shaddai, he, he was nurturing, he was caring, and yet when they thought of Shaddai, they thought of a mountain, that this, that this God, he's also powerful. Now God appears to Abraham both as caring and powerful. Now, you would think, well, why would God appear to Abraham as a caring God? Well, Abraham just messed up. So Abraham still needs to know that God loves him. And that he, and that, and that, and that even though he messed up, God is still able to do what God said he would do some 24 years ago. Now, you got this, this picture of the idea of stars and seed. And at this time we'll see in the text, Abraham hasn't had one child yet. So, so, so God appears, God appears as this, uh, as El, as, as, as El Shaddai, this, and then, and then He gives him, He, and then He gives him these, these two, these two commands. This, this caring and nurturing God, who's all powerful and loving, appears to God as one who can and has the ability to produce where nothing is producing. It has the power to make something out of nothing. So Abraham, he's going, so Paul is going to reference this in Romans 4. So if you can, we can just turn real quick or look on the screen. Rick does an awesome job. I want y'all to see what happened. When, 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 after 13 years of waiting, Paul describes it, it, uh, uh, this way. Abraham, he, Abraham, he. Abram did not weaken or, or go weary in faith, which he considered his own body, which was, he says, as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, God appears as this almighty God, and Abraham said, God, listen. I know it's been some time, but you know what? I've never lost faith that you were able to do, even though I consider my situation as dead and done, I know that you're able to do it. And, yeah, I, I, and, and hopefully that's just an encouragement to somebody in the church. I don't care what folk have said or even what you think. God is still able. Nothing gets too dead for God to bring to life. And that's to me, I don't care what I do what I, or how I consider myself, there's nothing that I can do to thwart God's plan and promise over my life. So when I look at the text, I, I'm, I, I hear I'm saying, Abram, he's preparing it. And God, so, so, as, as El, as El, as El, Shaddai, and so God, he appears with his name. But, there, but also, God gives him two commands. Abraham, listen. Now, 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 remember, he shows up with a promise of covenant to Abraham based on nothing that Abram has done. God simply has chosen Abraham to produce a covenant that Abraham has no clue about. But God chooses him, not based off works, but because of, of, of what God has chosen to, to covenant, to, to bring to life, to, to come together with Abraham. And again, it's nothing that Abraham can do or will do for God to come to him with this promise. He does it because he's God. Y'all, that's key. That's key. So, 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 so he says, Abraham, I need you to walk before me and what? And to be blameless. Abraham, so what God is saying, Abraham, listen, for these past years, I noticed you've been putting your hands in my business. You, you've been trying to do what only I can Abraham. I need you to commit to me that you will walk before me blameless and that you will keep your hands out of my business. And let me do what only I can Abraham. You can't do what I can do. Do you, do, do, do you covenant, do you agree with me, Abraham, that, that you're going to walk before me that, that, and you're going to be blameless, that you're going to trust me with all your heart to do what I can do? 
Do you, Abraham, do, is that cool? Now, and in the Hebrew, these are imperatives. Abraham really has no choice at this time but to walk before God and be blameless. These are two new commands that we see different in Genesis chapter 12. Okay? Okay? So as we go on the text, it says that when so, so here it is, Abraham has, he's messed up. God shows up 13 years later as a, as a, with a new name. This is, this is the first time you see El Shaddai, or God Almighty, in the Bible. First time ever in the Bible at this point. So here you got God, 13 years of silence, shows up, appears as a new name. Uh, uh, shows that Abraham, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. And then he gives him two new commandments. Abraham, I need your whole heart. And Abraham's response is, he fell on his face. I don't know about you, but I've messed up constantly. I, I, I've come to a, a reality check a long time ago. I am not perfect. I am really a screw-up. I mean, I, I mean, if it can be screwed up, I can do it. Amen? And yet, I mean, that's, that's who I am. I mean, that's who I am outside of Christ. But in Christ, I'm perfect. It's a different thing in Christ. But, but, but in my imperfection over God's sovereignly supreme promise over my life, and he comes back after I mess up and says, hey, I'm still going to do what I said I'm going to do, Abraham decides to fall on his face. He worships him. I wonder, what is your response after you've messed up over and over and over and over, and over, and over again. And God says, I'm still going to do what I promised I was going to do. How do you respond? Abraham, this idea of him falling on his face is saying, God, listen, from this point on, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to do according to your will. I'm willing to, 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 to adore you and also to obey you. So when he falls on his face, it's, it's, a, it's a position of submission and surrender. Okay, God, I failed. I'm now on your plan. That should be our response. When God over and over says to you that my promise is not based on you, it's based on me, and I'm still going to do it, even though at times you mess up and you mess up big time, because my promise isn't really about you. My promise is about me getting my glory, actually. So God's going to come through y'all, and, and that's just reassuring that he is going to come through. Now, with that being said, let's look at verse 4. It says, and, and behold, it says, uh, it says uh, behold, my, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, which literally means exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, God changes this man's name, but nothing in life has changed. He's still seedless. And yet, so God, he, so, so, so when God decides to change his name, it shows us two things. That now Abram submits to God's rule, and that Abram now, and, and, and that now God has given Abram a new identity and new destiny. When God changes his name, hey, you, no longer will I refer to you as Abram. No longer will I refer to you because I, I, I'm going to give you a new name, which, which, which means that you're going to surrender to my rule and my reign. And plus, my name, so y'all, names back then meant something. Now, don't say she like my name, Valentine. Yeah, I have the, I have the inkless clue what my name means, Valentine. I know my wife will tell you I am a sweetheart, though, huh? So, uh, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I am that, you know, you know, you know I, I am, I am at times. 
At times I am. Eh, not all the time. I ain't perfect guy. Eh, sometimes, most times. I'm a sweetheart. But I have my days. Watch. What is God trying to do? I want you to turn with me again to Romans chapter 4, verse 6. When God decides to change his name, I want you to see something. That God is saying, I'm, I'm, because I, I have a new destiny, I have a new plan for you. So he says, so it says in Romans 6, uh, 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 16, 17, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his eyes. All his offspring, not only to the inheritance of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. It is, it is, then it says this, and it's written, I have made you the father of many nations. Y'all hear this? In the presence of the God in whom he believed, he gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not Exist. What does Abraham's name change means to us? He changed Peter's name from 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 uh, uh, from Cephas to Peter. He went from Saul to Paul. But have we all been given a name change? Yes, we have. More so, a position change. We once were sinners. But now we're saints. Now, 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 there are moments like, like myself that you act like you ain't a saint. But, uh, but God always deal with you, not in your past, but, uh, but with your present name. And isn't it good to know that even though there are times in my life I am not acting like a, a saint but a sinner, God still calls me a saint. That I'm still a holy one in God's eyes, not based off my works, but based off the work that was accomplished on my behalf in Christ Jesus. So every time or every once in a while when you slip up, when you slip up, God is saying, I don't call you a sinner. I see you as a saint because of Jesus. Now, man, I'm so glad that God does not, because if God dealt with me in my past position or name, I would suffer his wrath. But now, because I'm uh, his child, a holy one, y'all know what? I, got, I have a two-year-old, and they say they are terrible at two. My daughter is living up to that name. She's terrible at two. And y'all listen to me. Listen to me. There are people who try to call my daughter names, and there's no way I'm going to allow anybody to call my daughter name, but she's beautiful, man. She's, man, she's a good child. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear, I don't, I don't hear nothing else. I, I know that my child has some, no, she's, she's too, she's very active. But she's sweet, and she's loving, and she's mine. She can write on my TV with, with Crayolas, make me mad, but she's still my sweet child. There's nothing that she could do for me to change her name. She's sweet. She's gorgeous, no matter her acts, because her name in my eyes and from my heart is not based off her acts. It's based off the fact she's my child. Isn't that good to know? That every once in a while when we act terrible to us, the God said, that's still my child. That's still my girl. That's still my boy. And, and in my, I don't care how much Satan you try to accuse them. The saints, the holy, because of Jesus. That's the reason to, every once in a while, to thank God for. Amen? So, y'all, so this name change thing is, is really big. So, so not only does God change Abel's name, now you have this call to obedience. So I'm going to read uh, 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 to you uh, uh, this, 
this covenant. Okay, so I'm going to read to you uh, uh, back up to Genesis chapter 17, verse 2, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 7. Now we're going to find that God is going to display his covenant. God is going to reveal his covenant, but, he's going, but, but, but Abraham is going to do something in response to God's promise for him. So in, in verse 2, it says that I may, that I make, or actually the word is give. He's not making, he's actually giving Abram a covenant. Abram is not earning this covenant. He's giving it to him. <laughs> he's giving him my covenant between me and you and, may, and, and that I may multiply you greatly. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after, uh, after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offsprings after you. Verse 8, and I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Did you notice something trendish in this in these verses? It was all God's doing. I will do this and I will do this and I will do this and I will. Abraham is simply the, the recipient of God's grace and God's covenant. God said, no, remember, uh, do you remember in Genesis 1 and also in Genesis, uh, I believe it's 8, where God, he commands Adam and Noah that you need to multiply and be fruitful. In this context, God is telling, telling Abraham, I'm going to do it. Not you. I'm going to, Abraham, you're going to be dead and gone, but your seed will still be producing. This is on me and not you, okay? So, so God, he, he actually explains this covenant. Now, now, let's define what a covenant is. A, a covenant is God's unconditional, gracious promises or promise or act or acts, here it is, uh, uh, to, uh, that, uh, uh, to establish an authentic relationship with people like you and I. Can you imagine, no, 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 y'all listen, my wife is here, baby, just, just forgive me. This was prior to me marrying my gorgeous wife, who's fine and sexy. <laughs> and I love her. So, but before she was really my wife, I had eyes for somebody else. I did. Name, baby, close your ears up, was Beyonce. <laughs> I said that one day, Beyonce and I, we're going to reach a covenant. And we're going to develop an authentic and human relationship where she'll know me and I know her. Beyonce, I'm still waiting. Then I met my wife. Just as gorgeous, if not, come on now, just as fine, if not more. And she decided to go into a covenant with some guy like me. That my wife, when we got married, she decided to go in a covenant with some rascal and scoundrel like me. Now, my wife is pretty. She's sexy. But my wife has, like myself, you know, we all have shortcomings. Now, fast forward some. There is a man who is perfect in his love, perfect in his grace, perfect in all facets of who he is, that said, I want to come into a relationship with you. I, I want to covenant with you, and I, I want to establish with you through my promise and acts a relationship that will last through eternity. 
Now, 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 I would love to get to know Bill Gates. Bill Gates got some money. But y'all, I would love to come into a covenant with Bill Gates. Bill Gates, let's come into a covenant, man. You and I, let's be one, hey, man. Let's get to know each other so I can have some of your money. Not what I want. I mean, honestly, man, you have nothing else I want, Bill Gates, but your money. I got someone better than that. God, the Almighty, the all-knowing, the all-seeing, the all-powerful God. He said, I want to establish a covenant relationship with you, Elroy. Not based off what you've done. It's simply based off the fact that I've chose to come into covenant and that's what we did when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that we'll say, it was actually God in Christ reconciling us to himself. So God is saying, I'm sending Christ that you and I can have an authentic and established relationship. Here's my question. How are you doing in that relationship? Do you treasure it? Do you treasure that you have the ability to know God in an intimate way. That, 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 that you know somebody that if you ask according to his will, there's nothing you can ask that he cannot do. There are some things money, money can't heal counsel. Money can't buy love. And God said, I, I'm offering all of this stuff to you if you simply come into a covenant with me. So Abraham, he, he comes in, in, into, into this covenant, and y'all, again, this covenant is, is, is established by faith, not by works. Abraham believes first in Romans chapter 4, verse 9, 10, it says this. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abram as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before. So God made this promise to Abraham, this covenant to Abraham, before he was circumcised. He didn't make it before. The Bible says in Genesis 15, 6, that Abraham believed God, and God counted him what? Righteous. It was before Abraham was circumcised, God said, Abraham, you and I have a deal. But, but, but some people have to know about it. They have to know. There has to be some sign for people to know that you and I, we are, we are a covenant relationship. So, men, I'm sorry. Here's what God did. Well, it's hard for me at times to even read this. Verse 9, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after uh, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. Verse 10, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be, y'all look at the word, circumcised. And you should be circumcised. Abraham is 99 years old and is about to be circumcised again. Houston! <laughs> like, there's a problem now. There's a problem here. 99 years old, and I'm for to be circumcised. Well, what about me is about to be, is about to be circumcised. It says it here. Verse 11, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. Ooh. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. God has said, Abraham, we're already in covenant. You've already have faith. But faith also calls for obedience. See, we cannot separate faith from obedience. It's both and. If you have faith in Christ, you must also obey Christ. If you have faith in God, you must obey Christ. Now, salvation is free. Being sanctified 
It's costly. God is in through our obedience. He's saying, listen to me, you and I, we have this covenant. As my wife told me early on in our marriage, you are no longer, you are no longer single. You now have to answer to me if I ask some questions. But I'm used to being single. But now I'm in a covenant relationship which holds me dutifully accountable to my wife and, 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 her, to, and her to me. Okay? And so, so, so God said, Abraham, listen to me. We in this covenant, I've, I've told you about in Genesis 12, 15, and now in 17. Amen. Here's, what's, here's now what is required to display your obedience of your faith in me prior to you being circumcised. Abraham, and it's for a sign. The word circumcised means to cut off. So what God was doing, what God was doing to Abraham physically, he wanted him to do spiritually. Abraham, your commitment to your flesh, it actually shows me what you're willing to do with your gods. I need you, and you and to come in and covenant with me, I need you to cut off all your other gods and to serve the one true God. He moves from El Shaddai to Elohim, which means the one true God. Abraham, but in order for you to, to be mine, you need to, I mean, you need to, in order for the world to see that you are mine, that you have made a covenant with me, I'm going to ask you to do what other gods have not asked you. Cut yourself. It's going to show that you are mine and I'm yours. Now, what does this mean? Turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 6. It says, circum, uh, 10, 16, it says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Deuteronomy 30 and 6, it says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and that you may live. God was saying in the, in the cutting of his foreskin then that I'm really aiming at your heart. Abraham, in you cutting off your foreskin, I want to see in your heart, am, am I truly your God? And that you have no other gods be, before me. I, mean, I need to know that, that there are no other idols, that there are no other laws, no other gods. But I am king of kings. I'm Lord, Lord. I am the God of all gods. I need to know that you belong to me. Application. What does God do? Why is God circumcising? Why is God having him to circumcise because of one thing. He's made a promise to Abraham simply that Abraham could love him. Have y'all ever thought about why, why you were saved? Why did God save you? The Bible says that, that, that God was in Christ reconciling himself to you because here it is, God wanted you before Adam had messed up, the idea was for Adam and God to love and to have fellowship. And Adam in his sin messed that up for all mankind. And what God said, Abraham, I'm keeping my promise. I'm going to get my people back to loving me the way that they should have. But I'm going to do it through a promise who will be, be ultimately seen through Christ. And here's why I'm going to send Christ. I'm going to send Christ to die on the cross for wretched and miserable men like ourselves to prove to them that I love them so that if they accept him as their Lord and Savior, they will then have the ability to love me back. To love me back. I, I, I did all of this for one thing, for you to be able to love me back. 
God is so jealous about his glory and himself. He said, I need my people to love me. I, I, I need them to, to, I need their full heart and their full mind, their full soul. I need them to love me. So I, I got to do something that someone has called ridiculous. I'm going to send God down in the flesh. Have God to die on the cross. Have God then to, to go back to God and then send now God the Spirit to go inside God's people that God's people may again worship God. That's just too much God. But it's all God. See, 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 God is so concerned. Y'all, watch this. Watch this. See, push-ups can't, can't change you. I, I, I know guys, man, every time, every time I cuss, I'm doing me a push-up. Now, you're going to be one buff dude. Because push-ups, it only changes behavior. It never changes the heart. Look, y'all, look what it says in Romans, in Romans, in Romans, uh, Romans 2. Romans chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 25. For circumcision, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be, be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will, will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision. But break the law. Here it is, verse, verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Nor is circumcision outwardly, uh, uh, outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit of God, not by the letter. Why? His praise is not for man, but from God. God is saying the only means, the only way for you to love is by my Spirit. I didn't share this last, but I'm going to share this in, in this uh, service. I married my wife in 06. Uh, September 30th, 06. And uh, I was at the time passing the church in Oak Cliff. So I was in the middle of a ministry. And we was in probably in that ministry, that ministry dissolved back in uh, 2011. Uh, it went away. And in that ministry, a lot of hurt had been brought on to my wife that I allowed and that I actually did myself. Uh, we, we are in counseling now uh, because of a church. She said, no, what we know that he believed that all, that all staff needs to be counseled. And so I, I remember Dale asking me, man, did how long has it been since you loved your wife? I said, man, probably, probably a year and a half, two max. He said, by the time I hold up, you've been married for six years. I said, Dale, you, you can add. That's, that's impressive. I said, Dale, up until 2011 and 12, I was a legalist. I was trying to love my wife by the law and not in the spirit. That I kept coming up with these to-do lists. If I do this, she'll love me. If I do this, she'll love me. If I do this, she'll love me. If I wash her clothes, she'll love me. If I wash her car, she'll love me. I've done all these things. And, and that never changed us. It changed behavior for a very, for a very short time. He said, so when did you start loving your wife? I said, when I, when I allowed the spirit of God through Christ to change it. For five and a half years, five years of my marriage, I didn't love her. I thought I did. 
But love equated works, not heart. I simply was trying to gain approval from my wife rather than knowing that in Christ I'm already approved and I work from that. But that change of heart only came because of the Spirit of God. The only way I'm able to love my wife is because I now realize that God circumcised me in Christ to love my wife just as he has loved me. You ask the question, what's the importance of this whole deal about circumcision? Why is circumcision such a big part of the Bible? Because the idea is that God wants to cut you off from the world for the kingdom. He wants wants you cut you off from trying to please man and to work to please one man, and that's the king. It's a a physical idea meant spiritually for you to get. I am to cut off everything. Why? So I can simply love God. That's the idea of it. And and, and I can't love God the Father without first trusting in the the promise that God made in Genesis 3 that I'm going to send a Savior one day who will prove to you that I love you. And when you believe him and accept him, he'll put in you your spirit, my spirit, that will allow you, that will enable you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Here is the sign. How will they know that they are my disciples? Not by going to church. Not by tithes, not, not by reading your Bible, not by praying. They will know that you are. Here's the sign. They love each other. That's how you know you're circumcised. When you're able to love people unconditionally, when you remove the conditions to love, why? Because God has cut you off from approval, from acceptance. Listen, all that sounds in me, son. It's in me. Stop trying to gain it somewhere else. I love you. So love me back. And in return, I will show you how to love other people. See, when God loves, there's no color in mine. When God loves, there's no social status in mine. When God's love is pure and unbiased. It is unconditional. How do you know? Your heart has been circumcised by how you love God and how you love others. You've been cut to love. It's invisible. How you, how you want to love, Sam? Are you loving? Are you removing color, status, house and cars? Are you removing all that stuff because God has said, cut that off? It's garbage. I've cut off conditions to love unconditionally. That's what we see on the cross. The Bible says anybody who refused to accept this promise in Genesis 17 and 14, when you refuse this promise, you you are in essence, you refuse me. You refuse me. One question. Have you been cut? How do you know? Your love for God and your love of others. That's the sign. That's the sign that you're able to love people like God loves you. He says there'll be three things that's needed today. It'd be faith, love, and hope. But one of those are the greatest that will be everlasting. See, faith will go away. Hope will will go away. That's why the covenant is everlasting. And that's why the possession is everlasting. Because in heaven, we'll love. The covenant is to love. That's everlasting. Have you been cut? Father, we thank you now. And God, we bless you. 
truly, God, you are, you have revealed to us, God, uh, God, we're taking God, God, we see hopefully circumcision differently. Even in Colossians chapter uh, 2 and 11, it says how we have been circumcised, not with hands, but in Christ. That, that, that in Christ, you amazingly, by your spirit, you circumcise our heart. Why? To love you and to love others. Now, God, I just simply ask a question to my family, to my brothers and sisters. God, listen, God, help us to get past what we see. These are my brothers and sisters. We serve the same daddy. We got the same seed. These are literally my sisters and brothers in Christ. And you wanted to share a simple message that you've cut us to love. That love is unconditional. But I stopped trying to do stuff to be loved because I'm loved already in Christ. The Bible says that we only can love because we've first been loved. You cut me, and you are continuing to cut me because you want my full devotion to you, God. And that would, that would overflow into others. That that sign, that, that, that love would be the ultimate sign that I'm your child. Father, I simply pray this over Solid Rock. I pray this over the body of Christ. That we, that we would recognize that circumcision has a place today. It's just not physical. It's now spiritual. It's just not outwardly, it's now inwardly. It's not earthly, it's heavenly. It's not by man, but it's now by God. So you receive the praise and honor and glory. God, we thank you now for being so faithful and sharing with us a simple message. We've been cut to love. We bless you now, Christ in Jesus' name. Amen.